Welcome to Freeman on Real Estate, the podcast about the hard facts behind what's going on in real estate. Realtor Mike Freeman of Coldwell Banker, who holds an MBA in finance, draws from his financial background and deep network to bring the most value for anyone looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest. Hello, everyone. This is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks again for joining us on Freeman on Real Estate. I'm here with Realtor Mike Freeman. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you? Now, you, you've got copious notes today. Do, do I need to make myself comfortable? Are we going to be here for several hours? <laughs> Grab some coffee. Get a, big, get a big comfortable chair. Put your head. Put your feet up. <laughs> get a Snickers bar. Not going anywhere for a while. This will be a, a great packed podcast of information because it's a, it's just an excellent topic, and that is, if you want to sell your house on your own, is that a good idea? Is it a simple thing? We live in this DIY crazy society now, and Mike's going to fill us in on why. Let's 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 call a spade a spade here, Mike. Why it's probably a lot more complicated than you think. So that's my guess. But anyway, tell us when when someone comes to you and says, oh, "Mike, I love what you do, but I'm thinking about kind of doing this on my own, selling my house on my own." I hear it's, it can be done. How do you talk to them? What do you tell them? So what I tell them is that. Yeah, it can be done. You could get lucky. You could have somebody who's makes you an offer for 50,000 above ask on day 1 and but even if that happens. And this is why people often say what you just said, Dave. I could just put a sign in my yard that it's for sale. I'll get a buyer and it's going to be easy. So what I say is are you prepared to do all the steps between then and the closing that you're going to have to do? And they say, well, that can't be that difficult. And I say, really? Let Mm. me go over a few things with you. (laughs) Now, obviously, I know that someone who's selling it themselves, my goal is obviously to get get the listing. But this is all true. These are all facts that these are things you're going to have to deal with if you're selling it on your own. And I wouldn't wish this on my own worst enemy. (laughs) So I, I I think the biggest thing that we do, and it sounds simple, but I didn't realize to what extent when I got into this business that I'd be not only a realtor, but a psychiatrist. Mm. It's about stress reduction. And sometimes I tell people, because it is a very stressful thing to be buying and selling a house or even just to do one of them is really stressful. So I've said this to customers before. I've said the Bob Marley song where he says, everything's going to be all right. Yeah. And I say that to people, especially if I know them a little bit better. I mean, I'd say if I don't know them too well. Mm. But I say, think of that song because everything is going to be all right. A year from now, you're going to be in your house. You're going to have the money that you sold your house for and everything is going to be all right. And that's where I can say, I'm here to take the pressure off of you. That's the biggest thing I can do is reduce your stress level, take the pressure off of you, take care of every single detail keep you up to date and you're not going to have to remember to do anything because I'm, that's what I'm there for. And that's what realtors are for. And you can, it's almost like I can hear the song, Mike. Almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please continue. No, it's good. I feel like Shane Victorino is yes. coming up to bat. <laughs> I remember that was his walk up song. Yeah. Okay. That there's your message right there. Absolutely. Yeah. But, it, but it's true. And so, what I say to people is that, well, I say a lot of things, but mm. the fir- the first thing I say is that you're right, that you're probably going to get 50 people or more at an open house, and you're going to get multiple 
offers and they're going to be for above ask. And I say to them, how are you going to evaluate those offers? Because it's not just about price. It's about terms. And you may not accept the offer with the highest price. I had a client, I think I mentioned this once. I have a client that accepted the third highest offer after I explained to her all the different terms that were in the contract, which in the offers, which many people aren't even going to necessarily go through. They're just going to see the highest price and go for it. But you have to consider how much cash the person is putting down. Do they have a mortgage contingency? How likely are they to get a mortgage? Did they offer so much that the appraisal isn't going to come in? What kind of inspection contingency is there? How soon do they want to close? So there are a lot of things that I'm going to put together a spreadsheet because that's what I do with all the different things that are in an offer so that people can compare them. And oftentimes people are going to say, well, what do you think? They don't just make a decision right off the bat. They want my input and they're going to want the input from their realtor. And so I'll take them through it and I'll say, here are the different things that I would consider if it was me. And I think knowing you and the situation you're in that I think you should think about. So that's the first thing is evaluating the offers. The next thing is negotiations. And most likely there's going to be a back and forth between me and the other realtor on price will be one of them, but all of these other things too. And and now if you've received multiple offers, now you're even more in a position of strength and not just because it's a seller's market, but now because you might have five offers on the table. I know situations where people have had 10 offers on the table. So you may now, you're now really in a position of strength and that's where your realtor can go back to the, to the other brokers who represent the buyers and say, can you do this? Can you close sooner? Can you put down more cash, whether your client has it or they can get it from somewhere else? Can you do something with your inspection contingency? Can you waive it? So there's a whole list of things that if there are multiple offers, I'm going to go back to the other realtor and say, here's, here's some things the seller would like. And you're not really playing one off the other because you're going to have the same message to everybody and say, this is what's important to the seller. And then you're going to ask and see who can do it and who can't. So I'm going to help them evaluate offers and I'm going to help them, I'm going to help them get the best offer by negotiating. One thing we, we talked about how if you're thinking of doing, if you're thinking of selling your house yourself, you're probably going to get 50 people more at an open house and you're going to get a lot of requests for showings. So, what I say to people is, so you're just going to let anyone in your house? Yeah. You, you don't know who these people are. I had a situation. I actually got I got an email the other day from a realtor who I know well. And they said that they went down to the basement. And I'm not making this up. St- someone was stealing the copper wire. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so if you're selling your house, would you want to go downstairs and see someone stealing copper wire? Or would you rather that I do it for you? It- and it could be even worse. This is true. I was just listening to a podcast the other day, and the legendary comic uh, Jay Leno was recounting stories about his early days in comedy. He said when he first got to L.A., he couldn't afford a place to live. He used to go into open houses, and with the when the the seller was no longer there in this case, but he would sort of excuse himself, go to the bathroom when the open house was ending, and wait for them to lock up, and then he would live there. <laughs> I mean, it's, so, you, you, yeah, you don't want people doing who know who God knows what in the 
corners of your home. No, and there have been, I know, of multiple situations, and luckily this hasn't happened to me, where people have have done that. They've gone to the bathroom and they steal medication. Oh, God. They look through your medicine cabinet. So I would rather have someone else dealing with this, yeah. with all of these things. So it, it's, again, an area where we do things you don't want to do, and we take the pressure off of you and... You can go out and get some lunch while we're doing an open house or doing some showings and not have to worry about dealing with people who are, who are coming in your house. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of stress reduction. Another thing that people don't consider is all of the paperwork, all the administrative work. So if you're thinking of selling your house, that's the furthest thing from your mind. But unfortunately, we live in Massachusetts. Mm, right. <laughs> I mean, there's some fortunate things, too. I shouldn't say that. Right. But... We live in Massachusetts, and we live in a state that's highly regulated, and there are a lot of forms that are required, a lot of things you have to do. You have to get Title V if you have a septic system. Some people don't even know they have a septic system. Right. I've had that. And then they're like, what's Title V? When do I have to do that? Does it have to... What's a conditional and pass-fail, right? No, there's conditional pass. Conditional pass? What, what is that? What do mm. I do? So... There's, there's a lot yeah, wouldn't, of, wouldn't you hate for something like that, that for most people wouldn't see coming, to completely undo the the sale, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a, it's the first thing that I recommend that people do when they're even thinking of selling the house because it's good for two years. So you get Title V. If it fails, and I've had, unfortunately, multiple times, people have had a Title V inspection. It fails, and now they have a $40,000 expense in front of them. Mm. That's really a terrible situation to be in. But if you're in that situation, wouldn't you rather know that sooner rather than later? The 40000 is the amount to repair the septic tank? To put in a new system. New if, system. It, okay. if it fails completely, yep. yeah, you're looking at like $40,000. Mm-hmm. Now, it could be that component is broken. You need to repair it. That's a conditional pass. You could have that if you're lucky. Well, the luckiest is obviously that it passes and they just clean the system out. But... I've had, unfortunately, multiple situations where somebody isn't expecting it, and now they have a $40,000 expense in front of them, and if they're doing it on their own, they would have no idea until it's probably too late because they've accepted an offer, and they're now going to be in a really bad situation. Mm. Mm. So there's a lot of things that that we help people with in addition to things like, in, in addition to the septic to the Title V inspection. So I'm going to be there when there's an appraisal from the buyer's bank, when there's an inspection, a home inspection, and and the buyers are there with their agent. I'm not going to leave the house. I'm not going to let them in and then take off. I'm going to be there, and and hopefully I'm going to hear some things. And if not, oftentimes I'll say, is there anything I should be aware of? And they'll come and find me sometimes and say, Mike, can you take a look at this? This is what we found. So that's another thing that we do. We have to take care of calling the fire department and getting a smoke inspection. You can't sell your house unless you do two things. The Title V, well, there's more than two things, but you have to get Title V if you have septic. You have to pass a smoke inspection from the fire department. You have to fill out the lead paint form if your house was built before 1978. That's something that if you're selling on your own, you're probably never going to think of. You have to have, if you have oil, you have to get a final oil reading and put that on the, send that to the attorneys and have that be on the uh, settlement statement. 
because the seller gets a credit for however much oil they're leaving for the buyer. You have to have a water reading. So all of these things are things where your realtor is going to be there for you and it's going to take care of all these things and get them done. And you don't have to, I just rattled off like seven or eight things. You, we, we all work or have responsibilities. So those aren't things that you want to be home and take care of all these things yourself. I think that you're much better off outsourcing these things to a realtor. Otherwise, you're taking a situation that's going to be a headache and making it into a migraine. Mm. Another thing that we do is the buyer is usually going to be from somewhere else, maybe not far away, but from another town. And every town is different in terms of what utilities companies they use. And so usually if you're thorough, you're going to get a list of the companies that the new buyer is going to want the contact information because they're going to be doing business with. So that's another thing that we do. When it comes to marketing, and this is where sellers may say, oh, well, it's no big deal. I'm going to get multiple offers right away. Well, maybe you will and maybe you won't. It doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't even happen 50% of the time if I show people the detail in MLS of what's really happening. But people hear about that situation and they think, oh, it's going to be easy. But we do a lot of marketing. So once we put a listing in MLS, it gets carried over to every single website that's out there. But we don't, you have to write it up. It's not just like checking off a bunch of boxes. So we're professionals. We know what people are going to be attracted to in a, in a write-up. We're going to get a professional or hopefully a professional photographer, and we're going to help you pick out the best photos. We're going to either stage it for you ourselves or bring in a professional home stager. We're going to recommend that you do a pre-inspection, that you have a home inspector come in so that you can anticipate what's going to come up. So there's a lot of things that fall under marketing or th- or some things that you can do to have an easier transaction. And what I do is I lay out these possibilities and people pick which ones they want to do. Maybe some are for you and some aren't. When the buyer has an inspection, a really big thing that comes up at that point is what are they going to ask for and how do you negotiate? Because that is, if a deal is going to fall apart, that's when it's going to happen. It's going to happen after the buyer after the buyer says to their agent, go to the other agent and here's my laundry list of things that I want. Now it's less likely in a seller's market that there's going to be a long list, but I've had plenty of times recently where that's the case. And you need someone who's going to work in your behalf and negotiate in your behalf and knows how to do that because they've done it many, many times. If you're trying to sell your house on your own, you have no idea how to negotiate these things. So it's another thing that we, that we do. Um, and then we also, I think something that people really overlook is we know what we can and can't say. We know what we can and can't put in writing. Getting back to Massachusetts being a highly regulated state, you have fair housing laws, which, which are nationwide, but Massachusetts has very specific laws when it comes to fair housing. We live in a very litigious society, so do you really want to take a chance that you you have no idea what you can and can't say, can or can't write in a listing, and then you get sued. Mm. And it happens much more often than, than you'd want. So, again, it's give us the risk. We know what to do. We're professionals, and we're still going to make mistakes. There are obviously situations where realtors get sued. I've luckily never been sued. Mm. 
but yeah, but I, I don't want to be in that position where I'm a seller. I don't know anything about real estate. I don't know what I can and can't say. And if you violate fair housing rules, there are rules, not just for realtors, but for people who are selling a house, if you violate those rules and you're sued, you're in a lot of trouble and that's Mm. not something that you want to take on. Mm. I mean, to me, this is your role is being a guide through the process, but also you're kind of a built-in insurance policy. If if you're worried about the risk in this, why not work with someone who is very job to analyze that risk and minimize it? Absolutely. And so, like I've been, like I've said probably many times on this podcast, there's risk in everything that you do. We can't reduce the risk to zero, but if the risk is on a scale from zero to ten selling it on we can probably take care of nine out of those 10 things Mm. and if you're selling it on your own you have to handle all 10 and what are the odds that you're going to handle all 10 of those correctly versus us who do this every single day and have seen dozens and hundreds of transactions and have had the things that are probably going to come up we've had them and we know how to deal with them Mm. very good well if you're If you're not scared straight like me, then you weren't paying attention. But uh, more to the point, thank you for that really kind of grand analysis of what the picture looks like for someone who's thinking they can do it on their own. And you know what? As you said, you could do it. You could get lucky. But now the things that you're going to have to take care of. And frankly, I'd rather hire someone like you, Mike. But that's just me. Thanks, Dave. This has been a great overview, Mike. Are there... Is there anything else that potential sellers should know? Yeah. So one thing that comes to mind is that, and again, this is something that might be overlooked by sellers is getting back to, you put a sign in the ground, you get 50 people at an open house, you get an accepted offer, and then that's it. We find the buyers for you. We have relationships with other brokers in town, with buyers. We have a list that has dozens and dozens and hundreds of people on it who didn't get the last house. We have people we've worked with who didn't get the last house or the one before that or the one before that. We know what's coming on the market. And so there's a we we can help you find buyers. And even though we're in a market where it's easier to find buyers, wouldn't you rather have more offers than fewer offers? So it's another it's another reason why Working with us is going to really help you. We now move to the segment where we learn more about the man in this edition of More About Mike. More About Mike. More About Mike. More About Mike. Well, we have an otherworldly question today, and I mean that sort of literally, and that is that the question is this. Mike, if you could have any superpower and you get to choose anything you want, let your imagination run wild, what would that superpower be? So that's a great question, and my daughter actually just asked the same question of me recently. I don't know. You may or may not know that. (laughs) So, yeah, my uh, 18-year-old daughter asked me that question recently, and I stopped and I thought about it, and I think hers was that she'd like to be invisible. That's a good one. That's a good one. But but it doesn't – the invisibility is only goes so far. You can't can't actually do anything physical that – well, like you, you don't have superpowers. You can't like fly or jump or anything. You just get to be, you get to listen in on other people's conversations, which is right. cool. It's, it's <laughs> cool. You know, but, that's yeah. okay. But yeah. that's an, so what I would choose is time travel. Oh. 
And I like I, it. I've, I've always been fascinated with movies that have time travel, whether it's Back to the Future, which is mm. probably what most people think of right away. Right. Many other movies have had time travel, but I would love to have that superpower, be able to go back in time, maybe go back 50 years or 200 years or thousands of years. And it would be great to So I don't want to mess with the world by like, yeah, you can't. I don't want to change things. You got to you know? beware of the butterfly effect. The butterfly you know? effect. Yeah, yeah. That you, you could ruin everything. But, well, where would you, when would you go? When or where would you go, right? What would you, what would be the first, when you hop in that DeLorean, where, do you, where are you going? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And you can go backwards or forwards, right? Backwards or forwards. I probably would want to go forward. There you go. Yeah, you're in the DeLorean. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably want to do both. So I'd want to go forward a few hundred years just to see what the world's going to be like. Yeah. You know, we're going to have flying cars like we thought we were going to have by now. <laughs> well, I think if knowing what we know now, when when you, let's pick a date when, when you and I were like 10 years old in the in what the late 70s, right? Yeah. And if you had been able to go forward to the year 2023, would you be amazed at, at the, some of the innovations we have? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you think yeah. of the internet, yeah. that's obviously the biggest one that, you know, nobody back then had any idea that that was such a, or would be what it what it is today. Cell phones is another big thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. And we had some of the TV shows and movies of its time predicted that you could have a watch that would basically have a computer on it and you can see somebody's face on your watch. And you basically can now. Like, yeah. that basically exists. And there's a moment in one of those Sly Stallone movies where he travels to the future. Or no, maybe it's an Arnold movie. Maybe it's Total Recall. I don't know. But where the the person walks into their room and when they answer the phone, the person appears on a big TV screen. Well, that's just FaceTime. We have that now. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. We have so, that. So, well, what about if you need But if you were to go back in time, if you were to go to the past, what would you pick? I'd probably pick... I probably pick something really bad that happened in history and try to prevent it from happening, like but, the Kennedy assassination. Or something? Yeah, yeah, something like that. You yeah. know, Hitler, maybe it, something like that. Maybe I should mention cool. that on the show. No, that's that's. But, I think um, most people think of that. Yes. Yeah, but you know, putting that aside, because that's probably what everybody. Getting back to what I said about, I'd like to witness certain things yeah. that happened. Yeah, I think seeing going back to 1776. Yeah, and and seeing what it was like when the, when we became a country. Yep. That's just one thing that comes to mind, that that'd be pretty cool to go back and, and witness that. And It'd be amazing that. to see how people lived back then. It might get old. Eventually, you might be like, so you guys don't have microwaves? How am I supposed to heat up the sandwich I just made? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even think I could go back to what you were saying in the late 70s. I mean, can you imagine going back to a period of time where there was no internet, right. no cell phones, cartoons were only on Saturday mornings? <laughs> I mean, come on. Only three channels? What, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. C- cable. Right. I don't think I could go back to that, never mind 1776. So uh, <laughs> maybe a couple of days, and then I get back, go back to go to the year 2500. <laughs> Yeah, the future will be fascinating. So, and speaking of the future, two weeks into the future, another edition. I can, I can, I'm predict the future, Mike. I predict that two weeks from right now, there'll be another episode of Freeman on Real Estate. And as we wrap up another edition of the podcast, Mike, remind people where they can get in touch with you. Sure. So you can call me 617-759-1513, or you can send me an email, mike.freeman.com at anymoves.com 
And just remember, if you hire the right realtor, everything is going to be all right. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like the show, and we know you do, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. See you again in two weeks. Thanks for listening to Freeman on Real Estate.